Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's good to it's good to see you, man. It's only it's only been uh, a couple of days, I think, but I'm missing you already. It's the problem with the fall of football. We start hanging out, we see each other every week, usually uh, sometimes more than that, and then you know, I'll go a couple of days. I'm like, where's my pal? And I'm sad, a lot like the Lions fans are who've given up on the team. And by the way, Carlos, I don't know if this happened to you. I got emails from fans who want Campbell fired. I'm not joking. Oh come on! You can't even. I, no, I, no, I, I'm not joking. I uh, I got several of them. In fact, I just thought, wow, that was quick. Well, I got a I lot know. of. I I don't. You probably got these too. But I, I got a lot of fire Aaron Glenn. We're tired of this Aaron Glenn stuff. And three straight years, and he hasn't figured out how to stop, you know, the Seahawks and Geno Smith, and you know, that uh, was Russell Wilson the first time. But still, you know, people are frustrated with that defense. I, I understand it. It wasn't completely their the defense's fault but yet again it, it it just didn't look great no it didn't and of course we're i mean i don't know that we need to say this but we should because we're we attempt to be professional journalists um we're talking about the lions game and they lost to seattle sunday at ford field i think uh the loudest you said i heard you say it was the loudest you've ever heard it right at the beginning of the game or right after the game started somewhere in there um i know memories no. are Memories are fuzzy that way sometimes. But, uh, yeah, they lost in overtime, what, 37, 31, I want to say. Yeah, that would be correct. And it was uh, it was deflating because it was the home opener, and there had been 10, 11 days of hype after the Kansas City loss. And you said fault. Uh, to talk to me more about fault. You're, you're talking about fault. Whose fault is it? I mean, I guess there is always a fault, but maybe sometimes other teams, you know, have something to do with that fault too. Yeah, I mean, you can't forget that, you know, seven of those points uh, were from the pick six, you know, that was the offense's fault. So really, you know, they scored, uh, what would it have been, 30 points, right, against the defense. Uh, And the offense scores 31. Well, you know, uh, there's only, I think, four or five teams in the NFL that are averaging 30 points. That's a lot. I mean, you're one of the best offenses in the NFL if you score average 30 points. So if if you score 30 points, 31 points, you should win the game. But... It's complimentary football, as we know, and when the offense turns it over, the pick six, the fumble, uh, a key fumble from David Montgomery, you, you you can't have that against a good team, against a good playoff caliber team like Seattle. But they still, I think that this is the this is the the question about the Lions is, I mean, Campbell said it himself, they're not good enough to overcome those kind of mistakes. Well, you're kind of also saying at least. Two games in, you're not, at least at this point, you're not one of the best teams in the NFL, or one of the better teams in the NFL even right now, if, if you're not good enough to overcome that. If you have enough deficiencies somewhere on your team, and especially probably on defense, where I think it's going to be a bend-don't-break mentality, and as they're hitting, getting hit with more and more 
injury, CJ Gardner Johnson, James Houston, you never you, you never get healthier as the season goes on. And the depth has always been a question uh, for the defense. Maybe on the defensive line you have more depth, but it's gonna be it's gonna be an issue when you have one side or one part of your team that struggles, that is trying to take step, steps forward and they get hobbled by injuries. That's just it's not going to play out well for them. So the offense can only do so much. And it's basically, I thought about this, Sean, and I'll let you talk. I'm sorry, I'm hogging the, the mic, but uh, I thought of it in golf terms and that the offense is making, you count on the offense to make birdies, 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 and you count on the defense to hold it to a par or no worse than a bogey. But then when your offense, instead of making a birdie, makes a bogey, then that's even worse. It's a, it's, it's a, a big detriment to overcome. Um, and I think that's kind of what Campbell's getting at. They're not good enough to to make those kind of mistakes and win. So the defense is the big concern. They're supposed to be better. They need to take a step forward. Being at home with the fan base, with the loudness, everything behind them, and to lose and to have three extra days to prepare on top of that because they played Thursday. Humble pie, for sure, but it's kind of disappointing that they needed to have humble pie at all this early in the season, right? I mean, yes and no. Teams young, relatively young, learn how to win. Coming off uh, probably the most exciting regular season win uh, they've had in a long, long time. And then you have those extra days to hear that and listen to that. I don't know that those extra days are a good thing necessarily all the time. Um, but yeah, no, they, they, you know, Dan Campbell didn't want to say this straight out, but he, he kind of implied it. He was talking about we're not good enough to come over overcome those mistakes. First of all, it's very, very few teams can, right? We're not, and we're not just talking about two turnovers. We're talking about a, a pick six and a fumble that was deep, deep in their territory. I don't know, somewhere around the 20, right? So that's that's essentially an automatic three. You can make the argument that, you know, a good defense will hold into a field goal there, and maybe so. On the other hand, Seattle also missed a couple of field goals. Uh, Detroit didn't attempt one when they had the chance and went for it and forth and didn't convert. So... They, you know, it's a mixed bag, right? I mean, the, the, the final number looks bad, Carlos, for sure. Overtime adds to that a little bit. The pick six, you take that away. You can debate about taking the Montgomery fumble points away. I mean, it directly led to it. Even so, it was they'd given up seven points the first half and, uh, and forced a punt, which they did not do the last time. Obviously, Seattle went the whole game without punting, which is still amazing, but that's what happens when you score 48 points. But getting back to Campbell real quickly and his his point, the thing that I took away the most was just this, not the focus in terms of taking Seattle lightly or any of that kind of silly trope that fans, frustrated fans uh, will say or, or posit or toss out there or whatever. It's more about, and he was talking about the defensive line in particular, they had a plan for Geno Smith and the defensive line did not execute it to the way he wanted it, right? They did not rush the quarterback, in the way that they wanted him to rush. You can blame the coaches or obviously ultimately responsible for that. But So that would give me, if you're a Lions fan, I would say give them a little bit more time to see if they can follow through and focus in and get down to the detail. I think that's what Campbell was talking about, just the, the lack of detail in that way. Not because they didn't care or anything, but... Um, you know, maybe, maybe that makes a difference. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? What'd you take away? You were sitting there. Well, th- you know, the interesting thing that he said that added a little more context was on Monday, um, 
when he talked and, you know, they watched the film on Sunday night after the game. And that's when they get a better perspective and they talk to the coaching staff and they'll talk and they figure out what were some of the issues. And the humble pie comment, I think made a little bit more sense contextually on Monday when he said, when Campbell said, uh, we need our reliable, our most reliable players to be more reliable. And he also said that people, that players, he was specific, he was speaking more about the defense, but I think he's in general, he was speaking in this way, but saying that people need to play, the players need to play within the system, within the scheme. You know, the, the, the scheme has been drawn up for a reason and you have to trust. You do your job, you have to trust the other guy's going to do his job. You're going to be in a, in a gap and the other player's going to be in their gap. And it, when it's one-on-one, you got to win. And basically not, he called it rat ball, freelance, basically. Um, so I think that, you know, I'm not going to name any names here, but I think that if you looked at the game, maybe specifically the defensive line and some of the things that were happening there, maybe players trying to make their own plays, their own way versus playing within the system, filling the right gap, doing the right thing. Um, that is, I think, part of that humble pie is maybe you're coming off, maybe some players uh, are coming off that Kansas City game feeling really good about themselves and decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit extra here. I'm going to do a little bit more than I should be doing. Uh, and it didn't work out. And I think that's what, co- you know, it drives coaches crazy, right? They draw up these game plans, they have these, this, this attack, this, and that, that like you said, what's, what Campbell was saying about we had a plan and it kind of didn't work out that way. We didn't, we didn't do what we wanted to against Geno Smith to, to, to put more pressure on him, certainly not sack him, sack him once on a weird, you know, scramble sack. Um, and I think that's part of it is, Humble pie, everybody, listen, you're not that you're not as good as you may think you are, some of you guys. Some of you guys with stars in your eyes. So let's take a step back. Let's take a breath. Let's play within the system. This is why we have the system. It underscores a reason that we have these game plans and these meetings and these walkthroughs and everything else. Let's stick to that. If we stick to that, we should have a better chance of doing what we want to do. Um, so uh I think that will be an interesting moment here for the team whether they're going to embrace that or not or they have to whether they're going to listen to Campbell on this or not I guarantee you it's going to be emphasized throughout the coaching staff this week is you can't get away with this you can't you're not so good that you can get away with doing all little extra little things that you don't need to be doing just just play your position do your part and it should work out better so they're getting another chance against a pretty good Falcons team yeah, they, they, yes, no, they do. It's relentless and it comes up quick. You, 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 there are a couple of things that, uh, that I wanted to ask you about and, and, and point out. And it's not that this is anything revelatory, but I know there, I'm sure there are folks out there wondering now, okay, do we need to revisit or reconsider rather the win at Kansas City? You know, because they, they scored 20 points, Kansas City did. And, uh, you and I talked about this last week. You know, what if they have Travis Kelsey? What if they have Travis Kelsey and the, and a, two, three fewer drops. You know, you're always going to have one or two, but uh, is that worth 10 points? It could be. It, it it very well might be. And then all of a sudden they lose 30 to 21, or maybe they're a little more aggressive in a way and they lose 30 to 24, whatever. But but they're probably giving up 30 points, and we're not thinking about the defense in quite the same way. I mean, there's a chance this defense is 
is a little better. They look a little better. I mean, you know, I, one thing they did I thought that was 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 decent was the way they could control the run. Seattle ran last year. I don't know if you got if you remember specifically. It wasn't just you know Smith. They ran the ball well too, and they 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 shut that down. I I saw Derek Barnes in particular filling gaps several times and and making nice plays. So the I felt like the run defense was a little bit better. But getting back real quick to that rush and the and the discipline to stay on whatever the task is, whatever they've drawn up. It's not that Smith got out and scrambled a lot. He did have one big one, was 15, 16 yards or whatever. It was that by not getting in the right lanes and letting people, you know, trust in the next guy, it allowed him to slide a few feet here or there or back. How many times did we see where they got some initial pressure, but the but the gap control and the and the strategy wasn't being uh, upheld on the Lions' part, and that allowed him a couple extra seconds. That happened over and over and over, right? And I think that's probably what specifically he's talking about the most. Look, you're not going to shut anybody down. Geno Smith's a solid quarterback, and they've got good receivers, and and including a good tight end. So obviously they're going to score some. But uh, but yeah, to me, moving forward, uh, I'm with you. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think the defense. We'll see about what losing C.J. Gardner Johnson. Tracy Walker was a good player before he hit his hurt his Achilles. And uh, and who knows? Maybe the the drop off won't quite be there, especially when they get Mosley back at cornerback. They haven't had him yet either. They're also missing Josh uh, Pascal, who I know is not a star player or a dominant player, but he shows flashes of being a difference maker. And uh, you know he made a huge play at Kansas City, so they didn't have him the other day too. It, 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 so it's just it's way too soon. But I'm with you, man. You score 31 points, you, that should be enough to win. Let me ask you this though. And I'm sure you've heard this. I've heard from a lot of people that Dan Campbell wasn't trying to win. He was trying to play for the tie. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I don't think that's factual. But I'm curious what uh, what you think. I think that I mean he the way he explained it was that you know there was a there was a, a place and a situation where he felt comfortable going for it, and that wasn't it. I think it was fourth and three. Um, no, around. I just mean the whole the whole way they handled those last minute and a half, two minutes uh, once on they the got final the ball. regulation yeah, drive. A, a lot of people think that that he was the whole drive was aimed to get a field goal. To Could, play, well, play yeah, people wanted him to throw deep and all that stuff, and and uh, I, I mean, look at you know, even Pete Carroll, I think, said he was a little bit surprised that they didn't take deeper shots. But that's the thing is, if you're expecting it you're prepared for it and you you can you can easily lose the game on a on a deep throw um and again this is i hate to do the golfing again sean but uh in golf when you're playing match play the saying is always don't take yourself out of the hole don't do something stupid don't do something overly aggressive you don't need to do and i know we're talking dan campbell and he likes to be aggressive but he's also selectively aggressive earlier in the game certain points in the game where he figures there's enough time to make up for this. If, if it doesn't work out, I'll live with this. But this is this is the game. The final drive here for them is the game. So they need to, you know, sometimes playing for the tie is playing for the win. And I think you don't want to lose the game. You can easily lose the game on that last drive by being too aggressive. And I think on the last play, uh, he throws on, the la- on third down, Goff throws to Jameer Gibbs, 
short of the sticks. It's like a three yard catch, whatever, hoping that Gibbs turns it into maybe something more. He doesn't. He has two guys on him right away, gets tackled, you know, three yards, whatever they keep the field goal and go to OT. And there it's the coin flip. If you win the coin flip, you maybe probably win that game, um, just like the Seahawks did. Um, you know, I think it was Laporta maybe that was over on the sideline on the right. And he was maybe the only guy beyond the sticks who could have caught the ball. And it could have been a first down and maybe extended that drive a little bit more, give him another shot at the end zone. Um, but the problem is you're talking about there, there's a couple of things. There's, you know, low percentage throws and, and certainly throwing to the sideline uh, in tight coverage is a lower percentage throw. You can lose the game right there. Um, and another thing is you never know how much, you know, they're at, David Montgomery's not in the game at that point, by the way. Um, so they don't have their lead running back, their, you know, power guy up the middle to do something if that drive even continues. And you never know as far as Riley Patterson, you know, if the marching orders were, we're going to get to a certain point here. Let's get it as close as we can. Cause if we have to kick the field goal, let's say, I know it's a three yard, only three yard difference, whatever it was in 38 versus 41 yards, but you never know how much trust coaches have in their players. And let's not forget, Brad Holmes kicks off the season by saying, Riley Patterson ended up winning the battle. He'll start us off for the season. It doesn't sound like there's a ton of trust behind that leg. So they don't want to make this any longer than they have to. It's not Jason Hansen or Matt Prater out there who, you know, automatic from 50. So there's a lot of calculus that goes into that. And I think you can easily, easily lose a game. And at that point, Think about the narrative. And I don't know if this was all part of it, but the narrative of Goff throws a pick six and then he throws a silent and it gets batted down or it gets intercepted again. And then it's Jared Goff lost the game through two picks, blah, 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 in crunch time. He's the GOAT. And then you got to do all this, you know, mental healing and, 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 uh, you know, there's a lot of questions that come with that. I don't mind them going for the, you know, for the safer play. Um, and try to get to overtime. I don't mind that, especially when you you were down 10 points with like eight minutes left and you mounted a pretty good comeback to get to overtime. I, I really don't have... Do you have a problem with that? Do you think they should have gone for it? I, I think they did go for the touchdown. I think they did try... They just didn't throw the ball deep down the field, which they hadn't done all game. So that would have been... And they would have done that maybe if they were backed up at their own 20 and there were 40 seconds left. or 50, Right? That would have forced them to do something. But they didn't. They had... Basically half a field, three timeouts in two minutes or a little under two minutes. And they were somewhat aggressive and they immediately got down into, I don't know, they picked up 20 some yards on a couple of, a couple of what, 11 yard pass, a 12 yard pass, somewhere, somewhere in that range. Um, to me, they get down there and I know a lot of the, a lot of folks are wondering, I think it was the gap from 50 whatever seconds down to 28 seconds or 30 seconds. It was almost a 30 second runoff. And, and and folks are focusing on that, but I, I don't think they should focus on the clock. It's it's the downs that got them, and it wasn't like they were running the ball and right. just taking a timeout. They were they were throwing the ball. To me, they they set it set up perfectly. Dan Campbell and the staff to me was trying to thread the needle between running the clock down and scoring a touchdown. Right. And if the touchdown didn't work, they were going to kick a field goal, and it almost worked. They got down to the twenty, whatever it was. And on second and seven or six, 
Golf and by the way, golf was feeling some pressure when they got down there too. That 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 check down the Gibbs on the third down that was short. He, if I remember correctly, he was getting pressured a little bit. Maybe Laporta was open, but he didn't want to take a chance, right? So he said, "If it's not there, I'm going to set up the field goal." But to me, it was the second down. He, he, uh, St. Brown, Amanzara, St. Brown was was open. It's a play they connect on all the time, and Golf got a little bit of pressure and he threw it at his feet. It just wasn't a very good pass. If he catches that ball, it's first down at the 17 with 24 seconds left and two timeouts. And you're set up perfectly to try to score a touchdown. That was the play. To me, that was the absolute play. It's a play they make all the time. They didn't make it and put them in a tough spot on third down. Yet the third down, you definitely don't want to take a chance, right? Because you want the field goal at that point. But it's not like they weren't throwing. They were... Yeah, I thought I thought it worked great. They got it down there, and they just couldn't convert on that that critical play. They just couldn't make that play, and that happened sometimes. And then they went to safe route and, and kicked the field goal. But I'm with you. It's not a given. So I didn't think they were playing a tie at all. I thought they were trying to score to win to, to take the lead and leave Seattle with almost nothing. And it almost right. worked. It almost worked. Yeah. So it just didn't. And sometimes that happens, right? It didn't, and and I mean, and then I wrote this, and I made this observation that if if there's something important that you take away from this game, I guess is is if you were at the game or you're watch, even if you're just watching the game on TV, uh, you know, when they sack Geno Smith, he goes back, he's almost at his old goal line. It's a, the, the Seahawks have to punt. It's a really great punt, but Khalif Freeman returns 17 yards to midfield. At that point, you feel it's going the Lions way. They've, they've gotten what they've, they've done what they've needed to do here. They've come back from that pick six. They've rallied, big return on the punt. Goff has the ball. He's throwing, he's confident. He's, you know, you had to feel good about it. And I think that's the difference with this team right now is that it has that promise that it has, even it's not a perfect game or perfect team. It's not a, maybe the best team, you know, right now, but there's a lot of confidence in this team. I think, um, I, I would have bet you money that they were going to win that game on that drive. They had everything going for them. They had the momentum. Um, and it was nice. And, and Campbell mentioned that by the way, he mentioned it, you know, I asked him about it on Monday and uh, what do you feel? You know, is it, is there something you learned or about your team and lo- in this loss? And he's like, we're resilient. He said the same thing after Kansas city too, that we're resilient. And we came back from that 10 points and we didn't, nobody, nobody hung their head and gave up. And that's important. I think it's important. And you know, you say this all the time, it's a close game, you know, one play here and there and the margins, blah, 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 you know, and that's definitely true. Um, but you, ha- but, but we've seen enough lions football in our lives where, they have teams have not had that resilience. So it's important that this team has it, that they came close, they gave themselves a chance. They won the coin flip and and we're talking, the narrative is different. The narrative is, wow, they look at that comeback. Look at how smart it was for, for them to be, you know, somewhat conservative and not, no, you know, don't risk it, get to overtime. And then you have confidence in your offense to go there and, and score and it all worked out, you know? So it really came down literally do a coin flip, um, unfortunately for the Lions. But, um, you know, they they do need, they have some issues that they got to work on. Um, but all in all, you know, you, you you can't feel too terrible about this game, really. I mean, no, well, no chances, it, but not that horrible. No, it's it's frustrating. Again, part of it is because it's the home opener and the build up. And, and I think the fan base thinks the expectations are different, right? Right. 
the, the, and, and that's a big part of the psychology and that's, and that's one reason it stings a little bit more. And I think, I think even golf, uh, sort of alluded to that after the game, you know, the, the, the other thing I would leave you with the la- last one I would make was this was, uh, yes, it, the, the margins are so narrow and they're, and by the way, they're going to be in a lot of games like that the rest of the season, mm-hmm. and, you know, and the difference between being okay and good is, is finding a way to win these kind of games. You I mean, great, great teams are going to have their share of, you know, double digit wins. I don't think that's what we're looking at here. They're going to have to find a way to win fourth quarter games and, um, you know, we saw one in Kansas City. We didn't quite see one here. We'll, we'll see moving forward. But think about this, too. And I think late in the second quarter, Jameer Gibbs drops a ball. It's right in his, right in his chest. It hits him in stride. He catches it a 15-yard pickup at least, maybe a little bit more. And I think that sets him up for a touchdown drive, at least a field goal drive. But you could argue maybe a touchdown drive. They had momentum, and all of a sudden it's 21-7 to at the half, and that changes everything. But instead, he drops that. They 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 have to kick, and uh, you know, then they fumble um, the first play or the first series of the third quarter, and just the bang, 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 couple of plays right there. We, you know, maybe they would have won by double digits. I don't know, but it's just it's really amazing that the, that margin. It's well, so 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 slim. I think that I think the difference. You know, the thing with the the. the the thing with the coaches and the way that they explained it and think, I think about football is they're always going to be execution mistakes. You know, it's a fumble, a drop. It's, it's going to happen. It's not intentional. It's the intentional stuff that kills them. It's the intentional stuff of you're not in your right gap. You, it's a missed, a, a mental error or a missed assignment, 12 men on the field, you know, and for the defense, that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that they, they can't live with because it's preventable. Everybody's every team's going to have drops and fumbles and this and that and sacks and whatever, you know, but you're going against two replacement offensive tackles and you can't get home at home. You know, that's the kind of stuff of we had a plan and we did not execute it. Um, and that's the, that's the thing that eats at their soul, I think. Um, because every game, you never know, someone's going to do something, trip, fall, butt fumble, something, you know, it's it's not intentional. There's no way you can guard against that or for that. And, you know, it's just going to happen. It's sports. But but the stuff is preventable. And I think that's where that's where they want to place their focus on what can we clean up and focus on and emphasize so that we're all on the same page here. And I think that's what, that's what helped them last year is they, when they, when they fired Aubrey Pleasant, things changed, you know, their mentality changed. They, they, I don't think there was as much, there was more structure in the secondary, which helped the defense overall, it helped the offense play complimentary, all that stuff. So that's what needs to happen a little bit more now here is they need to, to, to get these problems fixed. And, uh, and I think they have a better chance, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think these things are preventable. I don't think it's, there's, I don't think the lines have a bunch of bad apples that are going to be freelancing, but now it's the injuries. Now it's the injuries that they, it's going to test their depth. So even as, as much as guys stay within the system, do you have the talent to go out there and, and compete against better teams? No, for sure. It is going to test everything. And sometimes, you know, you need some luck. And that's true with injuries. That's true with the way it bounces. You know, Don't I say think puck drop, luck. If you say puck luck, I'm, I'm I think drops are, uh, I think drops, you know, the, the Gibbs drop, that's a matter of focus. 
you know, you, it, it's, you know, maybe sometimes you have a poor throw, whatever fumbles to me are a little bit different, but a, a ball, you know, ask, ask Kansas City what they thought of uh, Kadarius Tony, right? It, when the ball's in your, in your bread basket, you, you, that you need to, you need to see that all the way in. And that's, uh, but that can change and they, they can fix that. They can fix everything to your point. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and, uh, come back and discuss Michigan State. We can talk about their football team, uh, but the university and the letter that they, uh, made public that's supposed to start Mel Tucker's uh, termination process. I um, uh, would love to get your thoughts on that. We will be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Shaw. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's time to move on to Michigan State. And um, I was at the game, and this is sort of, I guess, second. It's, you know, it's, look, it's easy to say, okay, this is secondary, it doesn't matter. But the truth is, we're talking about one individual, a couple of people, and maybe some folks at the administration versus 100 student athletes, right? And, and I think sometimes we do that. So I don't want to say that the games don't matter because, because, they do in the lives of all those folks that, that, that play that game. Um, obviously, matter just as much. But the news, obviously, is that Michigan State sent a letter, uh, Alan Haller did from the athletic department, Mel Tucker's uh, superior, his boss, sent a letter to him basically saying we're going to start the termination progress uh, process and that he violated a clause in this contract that had to do with moral turpitude and bringing shame and embarrassment to the university and, and that sort of thing. Um, regardless of the title line hearing that's set for October that has to do with allegations made by Brenda Tracy, who was, I think it's pretty clear out there, but who was brought in for sexual assault training, uh, education rather, and, um, and made the allegations against Mel Tucker for non-consensual phone sex. In any case, this is where we're at. Does it surprise you that they're moving so quickly or do you feel like this is part of the the back and forth, and then by the way, Carlos Mel Tucker responded a little, you know, a little bit later with a letter saying, "This is all a ploy, and Michigan State's known this all along. And why didn't they do this sooner?" You know, implying, "Hey, this is all about money," and et cetera, et cetera. It's a mess. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those things where you know, because I didn't go to law school and and uh, study. Uh, contract negotiations and legal things, uh, ramifications of moral things like moral turpitude. Uh, I really don't know what's going on. It feels like there's something going on behind the scenes here. They're, they're, they're both positioning themselves, the school and Mel Tucker. Um, and there's $80 million at stake here. So the stakes are high monetarily. They're high for the university as far as reputation, trying to make sure they salvage their reputation 
um, because it's 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 been taking a hit in recent years. So um, <clears throat> it's just going to be a you know as much as people may want to move on from it, it's going to keep going on. I'm a little. I'm a little surprised that they made this move before the hearing. Um, and I think that's one of the things that Tucker pointed out in his letter that his uh, legal team and PR folks did a wonderful job of crafting uh, using words like behest, which I'm sure it was written in the first person, by the way, as though Mel Plucker actually wrote it. Um, but, you know, he he says, uh, you know, this is what the whole point of the hearing is, is about of fairness, you know, basic fairness. And they jumped the gun on this. Um, but I, I don't think Michigan State would be dumb enough to do that if they didn't have the legal standing to fire him. And I think that the school wants to, to put this behind it, behind themselves, behind them as soon as possible. They want to, like you said, they want to get past this and move on. But I don't think it's going to be that easy. I mean, because Tucker's going to fire back. I mean, there's just too much money at stake. Um, and I think it's going to get ugly. I think there's going to stuff's going to come out about what what people knew That's and, the key. and what they knew and That's when the key, they right, knew Carlos? it. Um, so there's going to be some mudslinging. Yeah. That's the key. And it's, and it's going to be a lot of, he said, she said, and it's going to end up becoming uh, probably a settle, a legal settlement, you know, probably will never get to court. I would imagine. Um, but it's just, it, we're going to be living with this for the whole season. And it's going to, it's going to color the whole season. I mean, it's just going to be something that hangs over the program for this season and beyond as they go into a coaching search. You know, they almost certainly will. Um, who's the next guy? Who's the next person who's going to come in and yet again, change the culture of the program and repair the image and all that stuff. Um, and it's unfortunate for the players and the fans of the team that they got to deal with this. And it certainly didn't help that they got just, you know, steamrolled by Washington. Um, and it it's probably not going to feel much better against Maryland this week, but uh, yeah, it's tough. Do you think? Do you think this is going? Is there any chance that we're not talking about this the rest of the season? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, especially after the hearing, right? And I don't know how public that's all going to be. It's it's not like it's a court of law, right? Where you're going to have journalists sitting in there. It's not going to work like that. So uh, we'll see what is revealed from all of that. I think they have the right to keep that private, right? That both both parties do. I mean, maybe somebody, maybe leaks get out. I mean, they happen all the time. But in terms of the fire and Tucker and that starting that process now, it's possible that part of the strategy was to go ahead and do this now, so they could start the negotiation process to wrap it up as soon as possible. And by the time the hearing's done, then everything's done. I I, I don't know. I mean, that's pure speculation on my part. Um, you know. They didn't wait too, too long. I mean, you could argue, okay, they took a, what, a week, week and a half, a week and a couple of days, maybe, I guess, to f go through, lawyer everything up, go through and get all the language right and, and start this process. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe there was some discussion too, should they wait till after the hearing, but I'm sure there are risks and gambles in either side, but it does feel a lot like Tucker's letter back. Um, he hinted at, potential racial issues in his first letter, right? And says uh, it's a private matter uh, with with Tracy and it was consensual. He's, he's maintained that he did the second letter. But what was interesting about this one this time, I thought, was this notion that he's almost daring him, you know? like, And if he can get it to discovery and get it to court, then he's going to have access to all sorts of stuff. 
that uh, they may not want him to have access to, right? So that's a that's probably a gamble on their part. But I would bet his negotiation, and what's his leverage? His leverage is if he knows that they knew everything or knew enough back in December or even in July, that's not going to look good for them, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not a, that's not a good look if that's, if that plays out that way, Sean, I mean, it's, you know, his, his letter is intimating that they basically decided to, you know, act on suspending him and now terminating him because the news came out and it made him look bad that there was a report, it was leaked to the, you know, the national media got a hold of it. And, you know, if that's his case, that if that's his case, that, that the only reason you're firing me is because it became public. You should have let this play out at the, at the hearing. Uh, in October, um, I don't know. I mean, I would assume his lawyers know what they're doing, and they're they're they they may have a point there. You know, if you didn't let the due process play out, um, but Michigan State, I'm sure, certainly feels they were within their right legal rights to to fire him for a cause, for moral turpitude, or whatever else is in his contract that cites you know that you did something that was you know. Uh, um, incorrect or immoral, whatever you, however you want to color it. Uh, but yeah, I, this just, this, this is just, it can, like you said, it can, it can probably never get to trial because of the discovery issue is once you, once Tucker's lawyers have access to all the, all the information that happened in that investigation and who knew all the what, communication, right? Who was looped in on everything, right? Who was looped in, who knew what, when, it, it, it will never look good, even if even if things. Are, I mean, you 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 always have to believe that things look much worse than they are sometimes. Um, but I mean, you know, if you look at let's not get political, but the whole you know insurrection stuff, right? And all that stuff comes to light. All these charges, all these you know, all the stuff that comes out. Um, and you you don't Michigan State. Does, I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a. a path Michigan State wants to go down. But the question is money. How much money is it worth to him? Is it worth the whole $80 million that he has left coming to him or so? Is it worth half of that? What does Tucker want? And like you said, I mean, he probably figures this is it. I mean, I, I can't see Mel Tucker getting hired again. I mean, I, like we've talked about this before, you know, and here at our opening press conference is Coach Mel Tucker. Hey, what about that uh, phone sex coach? You know, like the first question. It's just not going to play well, no matter where you are, FCS or anything else. So um, he's got to figure, he's got to protect that. He's got to protect his money. Um, and now it's going to be a legal thing. The legal team's going to take a big chunk out of that, uh, uh, you know, out of that um, negotiation. Um, but it's certainly all the way to early October, we're going to hear about it. You know, we're going to hear about it more and more. It's going to get louder as we get closer to those dates of those hearings. And then after the fallout and then, you know, both sides are going to have their, their spin on it. Um, and then you're into November pretty much, and it's more or less the end of the season. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to get uglier before it gets less ugly, I think before it's resolved. But, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's unpleasant. It's just, it's, 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 uh, I guess the next thing is like, wh where does the team go from here? Where does the program go from here? Where does the university go from here? Um, you know, yet another another black eye for a school and a program that doesn't need it. No, you feel for the student athletes for sure, and you wonder, you wonder once he's fired, then they're going to have. Uh, I want to say they have 
30 days to make a decision on whether they're going to stick around or not. And uh, there's a window for the for the for the the players to get into the transfer portal. But uh, look, beyond that, though, I, you know, is Harlan Barnett, who's the interim coach right now, is, is is he the man down down the road? Probably not. I mean, I guess you never know. He, he, you know, he, you can't sit here and say no, he's not because. We don't know how the next couple of months. We have a pretty good idea how we think they're going to unfold, but we we can't say for certain, right? You know how sports are, but uh, so that's that's something they're going to have to figure out too. The coach, I just in the, in the short term, Carlos, it's hard to know. The players said that they were focused in, but but Barnett after the game Saturday, it said, "Look, everything was off kilter." Of course it was. Why wouldn't it be? And of course, of course, that team's going to feel that. You don't know how much Washington's a really really good team. And um, they they handled them last year in Washington, not like this, but not like they did Saturday. But they still, uh, I don't know, it was a double digit, a 10, 11 point win or something. But so yeah, so we for sure keep that in context. Washington, the Huskies are, are really good, and they got a really good quarterback. And it was a terrible matchup for Michigan State, uh, and and a, and a bad timing. The, to me, the much bigger test about what this team is will come Saturday when Maryland comes to town to East Lansing because Maryland's a solid team and they've got a decent quarterback and they've got a, a few weapons and, you know, a, a, a pretty good offense. So we'll see. I think, I think it'll be a week removed. You got through that first game. It'll start to feel a little normal. Harlan, but that talked about Carlos, he talked about all the things he couldn't do that he wanted to do as a head coach because there was distractions with all this other, other business and just all that new territory they kind of had to navigate. And so now maybe he gets to coach the team in a different way. Maybe Antonio's different. I, I don't know if any of that will make a difference. I mean, who knows? I, what, what are your thoughts there? It's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask to hand this team over to a, you know, a guy who hasn't been in charge um, before. So he's got to deal with all this stuff. The, it's not just, you know, uh, it's it's not just hey the coaches um, had a heart issue and you've got to step in for a few games or something and nothing else is different. You know, it's, it's this cataclysmic um, problem with the program and, and the university and, and you know how, I mean, you know, for, for sports fans who uh, aren't as in tune with this kind of stuff, you know, colleges, college programs are nervous places. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guardedness around the programs. Uh, you know, there's this level of administration above um, the coaches. And, you know, it's not like a sports team where you got an owner and that's about it. And then you got your front office and, you know, the, the roles are more defined. There's a lot of stakeholders, I think, involved in college. And and you, you're playing with this idea of amateurism on top of that and, the, you know, student athletes and whatever. Um, it, it's hard. It's a lot to deal with. And you're dealing with some young people on top of that, teenagers still in some cases. Um, it, it's just too much, I think, to really expect uh, a lot of, you know, to, to expect any kind of even moderate success, frankly, um, with all this going on. And I think that's a reason why they brought D'Antonio back as, what is he, an advisor or whatever his official kind of role is. And, um, his title uh, but you need somebody who's kind of been there guided the program before done done a good job with it kind of a steady hand a little experience to lean on 
but it's just so much to deal with. Um, it can't, and it's one thing I think, I think you could expect maybe there might be hope if they had actually held it together against Washington, kept it within, you know, one or two scores, you know, maybe 10 points or something. You could say, well, Hey, well, they could have easily just fallen down and, you know, gotten steamrolled, but they didn't, you know, they fought they whatever. No, they didn't. It just, it was, it was, it was a bloodbath. Uh, so, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough going the rest of the season. I think this is gonna affect the team, and it should, like you said, it should. There's no reason it shouldn't. It's it's a lot to overcome, um, and we're talking about a team that basically was on the fringe of being bowl eligible. I think I I predicted them to, to win six games, you know, and may, and and get to a bowl, maybe seven. Um, now it's gonna be hard to see that. I think the rest of the way. It is, and we'll see how this plays out. And like like I said uh, earlier, Maryland comes to town. Saturday uh, to East Lansing and Rutgers comes to Ann Arbor to play Michigan, their, their first Big Ten game as well. And Rutgers is playing a little bit better this year, so it might be an interesting game, interesting, interesting test. But uh, and we will surely get to those topics next week. Uh, but we're going to remain. Uh, hey, as long as the Lions are, you know, the sun <laughs> and uh, they're the eclipse right now. That that's where this podcast is going to stay. Uh, we're going to focus on those uh, those folks through the fall. I mean, you know, if they go winless uh, the next six seven weeks, then uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. But uh, this is going to be a very very heavy heavy lines podcast uh, as we move through the fall, and we will not forget about the college teams. But um, or obviously anything big big breaks. But uh, but that's going to be the focus. The other focus is that we need to take another break, Carlos, and uh, get back with your favorite thing. Sounds good. Notice I said your favorite thing. Your favorite yeah. Thing. Yeah, let's get back to my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, your favorite thing. All right, we'll be right back with more from Press Sports with Carlos and Show. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's that time of the show, Carlos. Lay it on me, my man. What, uh, what brought you joy this past week? Uh, what brought me joy, Sean, was uh, a cataclysmic event in my life was um, we sold our house. We moved out of our house. It had been sold for a while, moved to a new place, but we, we officially turned the keys over to our old place that we'd been at you know, for a couple of decades, a long time. But... Um, Anybody who's ever sold a house, and this is the first house that I personally have sold. In California, I lived in, you know, my parents owned several of them. We moved every four or five years, probably, it seemed. Um, but in here as an adult, this is the first time I've ever sold a house. And um, I thought it was going to be sad, and I was somewhat sad, but I was mostly just relieved that I didn't have to worry about two houses anymore and cleaning a house and making sure it's up to code and 
all these different things that you go through um, to go through that process of 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 uh, uh, transacting the sale of a home. I can't believe how many things, and, and it had been so long since we bought the home that I just had. I think I just it had it was like PTSD. I didn't want to even think about it, and things change over twenty years. So, but it was so it was such a lengthy process. Um, it, it was such a relief um, to to finally close the door, be done, and just not have to worry. There's still stuff you have to worry about, you know, the mail come in and all that and the change of address and little things. Uh, but it's just, it's just for the most part, it's done. It's over. That, that era of my life is, is finished and we're moving on to other things. But uh, it was, uh, it just felt like a, a sigh of relief finally to, to get that done. And um, that was a nice moment. So it was my favorite thing last week. Well, that's great. And I'm glad that's done. And now, I mean, what did that, you took what, seven, eight weeks of vacation this year. And I think that is. It was 12. Awesome. I think that is awesome <laughs> that you were, you were able to do that. Uh, I got to figure out that trick. My favorite thing is quick, man. I, it was good to be back at Ford Field and sit next to my buddy and uh, talk a little football. Get Mitch album. Get, uh, yeah. Oh no, Mitch is, Mitch is, you know, Mitch is our pick. He sat next to you. He did. He did. He's our pal too. But uh, no, I'm talking about you, my friend. And oh, okay. oh. Uh, it was nice to be back. I, I look forward to uh, to our our Sundays down there, getting a little popcorn and uh, watching. Especially when the atmosphere light is like it was. I mean, let's be real. It was that was electric. It's a cliche, but it's true. It was. It was great. That was great. People got so mad that I said it wasn't as loud as I expected it to be. And I'm thinking back to those days of what was it around 11 or so when Sue was on the team and they had all those false starts and it was consistently loud. And, uh, you know, I actually held back a little bit and I, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but like the PA announcer had to work a little too hard sometimes on this is a first down and, and it's third down lions fans. And, you know, like you shouldn't have to tell the fans that to kind of get them up. So I think there were, Unfortunately, some lulls, but it was it was an electric, fun atmosphere. Totally charged up. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm stealing your favorite. No, no, no. Sure. There were there were definitely some lulls because uh, it just people I think were just expecting the the Lions to maybe not dominate, but kind of control more of the game than they did. And uh, so there was a lot of nervous energy, especially in the second half. You know, you know what I mean? But but the start of the game, leading up to the game, how quickly it was full, really soon. You know, normally it, yeah. it takes a minute to get full. That I mean, people. Well, they had to let them in thirty minutes early. I think I saw, I read that because there were so many people. They needed to get let them in uh, half an hour early. Yeah, yeah. So people were in their seats and ready to go. And uh, but no, but it was fun to share that with you. And it's always fun to sit there and uh, talk shop and try to figure out what we're watching and eventually what we're writing. And I I really look forward to that. So that was my favorite thing. Who do we need to thank, sir? We have to thank. Uh, our producer Robin Chan because he's got a lot of Sean for for the listener out there who doesn't understand Sean Sean is not a technical maven wizard so every week that we do the podcast it's kind of like we're doing Apollo thirteen every week where the, the the oxygen leak and we're all gonna die if uh, if Robin Chan doesn't get this figured out for us and Sean's headphones and his mic and the USB C and the USB A so. Robin has saved our skins many, many times. He's the he's the uh, 
uh, who was the character Ed um, Ed Harris character in, in Apollo 13, the control center in Houston, and Sean and I are the the bumbling astronauts in the capsule who don't know what we're doing. Uh, so Robin Chan gets extra credit this week, and just because they they sign our checks, probably or determine our our pay raises, is uh, executive producers Kirkland Crawford and Anjanette Agato. But the the one who really determines our our fate is <laughs> editor Nicole um, Avery Nichols. She's the the main poobah, so uh, we have to thank all those people. But most importantly, Sean, who's the most important? Person? The fans for uh, for letting you continue. Not the fans? Who cares about the fans? The, the, the fans. No, the fans are what made it make make it possible for us to have jobs. The listeners, right? Who, who are yeah. fans? Maybe not of us, but uh, they have uh, <laughs> they have professional athletes in, their, in this state somewhere. They're fans of, which is uh, no doubt why they're listening to us. No, we want to we want to thank you. We want to thank you, the listener. And uh, you know, I'm a little confused. Are, are you all going to keep letting Carlos get in the way? Is he ever going to have a reference that's I don't know, at least 2000 or later. <laughs> I mean, Apollo 13 was a great movie. The incident itself took place in what the early 70s. I want to say the movie was. Yeah, the movie. It's, uh, I'm a fan of history. The, What's wrong with that? The movie was in the '90s. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. We want to thank y'all. I'm for, gonna go watch Top Gun when this is over. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's 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 great. You do that. that that'll 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 be good for your soul. Uh, send, hey, the listener out there, please send Sean an email telling them which Top Gun game, which Top Gun movie was better, and we're not going to influence your color your judgment, but which vote vote at. Sean at uh, Windsor at freepress.com. Send him a send him a note and tell him which one you thought was better. Yeah, you guys, you guys do that. That would be great. All right, yeah. Thanks again for uh, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Carlos. Uh, we, we definitely want to thank Robin. It's always fun. Until next week, we'll see what uh, we'll see what kind of mood we've got with this fan base with this team. The Lions I'm talking about. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting. It's a big big game. Look forward to uh, talking about it with you next week. Until and don't hey, don't forget emergency podcast. We're scheduled to do that on Sunday, and you should be here on Monday to drop yeah. a, a short one on from Sunday's game at Ford Field. That'll be great, Carl. So drop some uh, some strategy and some knowledge and break down the X's and O's. It's going to be. I look forward to it. I can't. I can't. I can't wait on Sunday night. That'll be awesome. <laughs> All right, my man. That was fun, and uh, I'll see you next week. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.